Welcome to the Global Council podcast, where you can hear the GC team discuss and debate topical developments in public policy and regulation from around the world. Hello, I'm Olga Henkele, an associate in the EU policy practice at Global Council. Today, we will be discussing the current Spanish presidency and what it means for energy sector. Joining me are Laura Casanato, also an associate in the EU policy practice, and Maud Baumann, an associate in the energy practice. So today we will first start with an introduction on the way towards the Spanish presidency, going over the main challenges for both previous Swedish presidency and now the current Spanish presidency, and main differences especially on the topical sector, one of the topical sectors, energy. We will go over the main priorities of the current presidency and we will dive into struggles over the next six months, both from political perspective and also more focused on the energy view. And then we will wrap up with the tips on potential engagement with the Spanish presidency. But before we jump in, I would like to remind our listeners that Spain took over the rotating presidency from Sweden on July 1st. And definitely this presidency uh, will need to take into account several geopolitical challenges, which also the Swedish presidency were facing. And these challenges are remaining. And a couple of examples that come into my mind are firstly the, for example, war in Ukraine. Spain will need to deal with likely extension of the sanctions uh, to Russia and work on the continuous military and financial assistance in general. Then also energy crisis. This topic we will discuss in more details today. And the issue is that prices are expected to still remain high and volatile for the foreseeable future. And here we have a question how Spain will deal with the concerns over the next winter security of supply. And then another question that also pops into my mind are the external relations. Member state views on details over the relationship, for example, with Russia or China or US remains divided. And then we have a creating a further tension between the EU capitals and the vision over the common approach towards those countries. But let's talk about the priorities later. Uh, I would say let's first focus on some moments on the path towards the presidency. And here my first question comes to Maud, I would say. Maud, what are the main differences between the Spanish and Swedish presidency on energy? Do their approaches differ? And if yes, on what? Thank you, Olga. Excellent questions. Indeed, there are significant differences between Sweden and, and Spain's domestic energy priorities, which is likely to mirror an, an EU energy negotiations going forward. This is because both countries rely on different energy mixes, and this in turn uh, results in different decarbonization and security strategies at national level. Let me maybe illustrate this with three points. Um, the first around energy security. So prior to the war in Ukraine, if we go back a little, the two countries were notably less dependent uh, than the rest of Europe to, to Russian energy. And despite this, the crisis has exposed them both to high prices. 
for Spain, this is uh, particularly true, and this created a serious problem for, for households' access to energy. At the time, Spain negotiated with the European Commission the so-called Iberian Mechanism, and this was implemented to preserve both Spain and Portugal from high prices. All of this feeding into early calls from Spain to decouple electricity and gas prices and in turn into a commission proposal to reform the electricity market. The second is around nuclear. So both countries have taken their distance towards nuclear, but for both, nuclear power is still a source of, of division among uh, national political parties. For Sweden, this is a bit less true these days. Uh, the current ruling government has won the fight, let's say, and is currently planning to build new, new plants. Um, but for Spain, this is a bit uh, more uncertain. Um, there were early calls as part of the SNAP elections, um, but nothing certain to this stage. So this feeds into wider political tensions over nuclear power, both at national and also at EU level. Spain's position could either follow Sweden's and be a facilitator or the complete opposite. My third point is around decarbonization. We have Sweden um, pushing for renewable energy together with nuclear power, carbon capture and storage. And on the Spanish side, this is radically different. Uh, Spain is really an advocate of renewables only with strong storage capacities. And therefore, this um, has also an impact on the way that they see European policies for energy, both for industrial decarbonization, hydrogen production technologies, but also in terms of energy security, how to phase out Russian energy, and curbing market prices. Spain's stance in favor of, of renewables is also likely to be a bit of a challenge for the trial presidency program. As you may know, council presidencies are structured as part of trios, and the next two presidencies will be Belgium and Hungary, which have quite some different perspective uh, towards energy. This uh, trial presidency is aimed at giving stakeholders more visibility, but also consistency and continuity um, in, in EU negotiations. So this is for the energy side, but I'm sure there's more to say on, on the Council's wider presidencies for the next six months. And for this, I'm turning to Laura. Uh, please let us know, what are the main priorities for the next one year and a half? Yes, sure, Mont. So as you said, Spain is the first country of a new trio, uh, and then there are Belgium and Hungary. Each trio presidency releases a joint draft program, and the program is not as specific and detailed as a presidency one, because each presidency will have its own focus areas. Uh, this one is of particular interest due to European elections in June 2024 and because Hungary is in the rotation. From this program, we can see that the common goal will be to reinforce EU competitiveness while strengthening the EU industrial base. And at the same time, these countries will still focus on the twin transition. It is also interesting to see that this trial draft program mentions uh, EU external relations within the TTC framework and it also mentions Eastern countries, but it does not mention China, not even, not even once and not even in an implicit way. In addition, it is also interesting to notice that they will focus on security while handling the functioning of the Schengen area. 
In fact, during this time, member states will probably want to focus more on making progress in areas where they can achieve goals in an easier way, meaning where a unanimity vote is not required. And so it means that they might focus less on defense and foreign policy and security since a unanimity vote is required in this area. But now let's focus more on specific uh, areas and uh, priorities for Spain. Olga, uh, what are the main uh, areas that Spain will focus on during the coming six months? Sure. So Spain has outlined four broad priority areas, such as green transition and environment, social and economic justice, strengthening the European unity, which entails several, several points. It addresses migration, it addresses Ukraine and deepening of internal market. But interestingly, among those four areas, Spain would like to also address open strategic autonomy. And the concept of strategic autonomy has been evolving over the years. It generally recognizes that potentially EU can face vulnerabilities. And Brussels sees strategic autonomy as one of the key policy objectives in light of its dependence to China, but also given Beijing's relationship with Moscow following the war in Ukraine. So there is generally an agreement that among the EU policymakers that a higher degree of autonomy will maintain EU's status as a key player in the global market. But this reflection goes into various policy thinkings. It's about the competitiveness, it's about the industrial policy, it's about the trade. However, Spain is arguing that actually EU is lacking a concrete vision on what will be the exact measures that the strategic autonomy will entail. So for Spain, it is important to reduce these vulnerabilities by strengthening the autonomy in strategic sectors. And here we must mention that although EU tools will enhance the strategic autonomy, at the end, it doesn't influence only China. It will also encompass other third countries like US. An other interesting point to mention is what it actually means for the presidency during these six months. So firstly, Spain will need to move forward with key industrial policy files. And these are Net Zero Industry Act and Critical Raw Materials Act. These are needed for EU's industry competitiveness. Secondly, I would say it's deepening the trade relations. And here I want to mention Latin America, which is one of the outline priorities of the presidency. And with support of the commission, uh, Spain will try to get the Mercosur agreement over the line. Also, another point which I would like to mention for our listeners to take into account and look out for is the informal European Council in October. So here the heads of state of government will seek to approve a joint declaration and it will try to seek a future strategic priorities for the EU. So making a joint declaration on those points. And this will be with the support of already the path that was traced by the commission previously 
and also between the uh, previous presidencies. However, also energy is similarly a prominent topic uh, for the Spanish presidency with, I think, uh, several nuances that we would like to mention here. So, Maud, I will come back to you again. Maybe you can tell us more about the energy transition priority for the Spanish presidency. Thank you, Olga, for that question. Indeed, um, energy is still high on the agenda under the Spanish presidency of the Council. Um, and as I said, um, one of the key priorities for, for Spain is really electricity market reform. Um, so this uh, is likely to be the first topic addressed as part of the energy policy agenda. Um, and we can maybe expect Spain to push for more ambition, more in-depth reform as part of, of this uh, work stream. Another key file for the Spanish presidency in the energy space is the so-called decarbonized gas package. And this sets out rules for hydrogen in the European market. So new rules for hydrogen to, um, well, replace uh, fossil, fossil gases. And Spain has the ambition to be uh, the EU's green hydrogen powerhouse. So we can expect negotiations to really focus on renewable hydrogen versus all the other ways to produce hydrogen, um, such as nuclear or fossil fuels. And those negotiations will be tricky with other member states. I'm thinking about France, I'm thinking about Germany, and so on. The ambition of Spain is to wrap up uh, trilogue negotiations by the end of the year. And this means that um, there will be really competition between these two energy files for, for, for attention. But beyond energy transition uh, files, I think worth mentioning industrial competitiveness as part of also a key theme of the Spanish presidency. Spanish uh, delegates will have it hard to find a council position on the Net Zero Industry Act. We understand Spain aims to reach a council position by early December and leave trilogues to Belgium. Also interesting to note that there will be files expected to be left pending. I'm thinking about the energy taxation directive, which sets a new taxation minimum for the energy sector and further also 2040 climate targets. So all of these probably left pending for the next uh, commission. But overall, I also wanted to say that there is really a question mark around the position that Spain uh, will adopt in negotiations. Do we expect the Spanish presidency to play as Sweden did as a known as broker um, in council negotiations or rather to push for its own domestic interests and potentially putting member states unity at risk? So looking ahead, I'm turning back to Laura. What do you think? And also what would a successful Spanish presidency look like in your views? So let's be clear. Given that EP elections will take place in June 2024, it is unlikely that many legislative initiatives will go forth and will be able to go ahead in the first month of next year. Therefore, the Spanish presidency will be the last opportunity uh, to finalize more than 120 pieces of legislation that are currently under discussion. It is well known by member states and also by EU institutions and everyone will certainly make every effort to speed up agreements on key issues uh, from reinforcing the uh, EU industrial base to scaling up efforts to support Ukraine. 
Moreover, both COVID uh, and the war in Ukraine have changed the way things are done in the EU and move forward the process of European integration. Uh, this has been strongly supported and encouraged by Spain, since uh, Spain is one of the most pro-European countries. For instance, the economic response to COVID uh, uh, making an example uh, with the SURE and the Next Generation EU plan would not have been possible without the firm support of Spain. Similarly, the economic consequences of the war in, uh, in Ukraine, meaning the reform of the electricity markets, would certainly not have come to fruition had it not been for the strong assistance of Spain. And that Spain might be seen, and I can certainly say that Spain is a reliable partner, and this is recognized by member states, and these NAP elections that will take place in a few weeks won't modify uh, this uh, perception. In addition, despite the strong disagreements on uh, domestic issues, um, we can say that there is an humble convergence on European issues. And the strong stance that Spain has taken to, to defend Ukraine from the Russian aggression has been surprised many and has taken the US-Spain bilateral relationship to a superior level. And this will and this won't change with a change of the government, which is currently expected in Spain in a few weeks. While on your second question, it is essential that Spain can show tangible results to EU citizens in such challenging times. I mean, before COVID, then the war, and then now we can see uh, a, an insurgence in more nationalistic views. So Spain has to be able to show that with and within the EU, is it possible to live in a safer, more prosperous and sustainable way. A successful Spanish presidency would be the one that maintain this momentum of reform and increase internal cohesion among member states while deepening integration and also preparing our union for a challenging world. And then finally, Spain uh, and Sp a Spanish presidency will be considered as successful if Spain manage to maintain the unity between member states on uh, sanctions against Russia and in supporting Ukraine in achieving a reform of the fiscal rules and the banking union, and also if it managed to modify the electricity market and accelerate the deployment of renewable energy. And at the end, also being close to ratify the EU-Mercosur trade agreement. And as a final question, if I may, before wrapping this up, I would turn to both of you, Maud and Olga, for some tips. So in your views, how to engage uh, with Spain in these months, in these uh, six months we have ahead of us? Well, I can go first. So my advice for our listeners would be about the timing of the engagement. So although there will be snap elections in Spain, as already mentioned, it does not necessarily mean that this will impact the presidency itself. However, it will still be back on the mind of Spain. 
So when engaging with presidency, it's something to take into account. And um, when we are talking about political dossiers in general, it's always not only presidency. Here we need to take into account it also mostly actually depends on member states positioning. So something to take into account when engaging also with member states. It is also worth reminding our listeners that the Spanish presidency will organize summits. And here what comes into my mind is, for example, EU CELAC summit. It will happen on 17th and 18th of July. It will also discuss the EU Mercosur agreement. And also Spanish presidency will uh, engage in different informal councils. So this, though, will leave less space for engagement with stakeholders. So that's another point I would like to, to mention. Maybe in addition, if I may, also uh, worth flagging that ever since the energy crisis, the current Spanish government has been really cautious in engaging with industries. And this is particularly true for the energy sector. So this means that it might be tricky for our stakeholders to get in touch with Spanish officials during the next six months. Let's see what's, what a change of government might uh, bring. But in any case, engagement with the Spanish presidency should be framed around improving the energy market design, improving competitiveness in Europe and resilience and decarbonization. So with these tips and main points on the presidency, we are wrapping up our discussion today. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, Maud. Thanks for you for listening. As always, if you, your business, or your investment are exposed to the EU market, don't hesitate to get in touch. You can find contact details for Laura and Maud and our sectorial themes on the GC website at global-council.com. Thank you.